should be like in a James Cameron sci-fi. Yeah, man. Oh, man. Look, uh, the uh, the um, glass, not glass balls, the ice balls that I've been making mm. are fantastic. Uh, they take 36 hours to make. I've got a mould. The key is to, they have to cool slowly. So when you do an ice tray, yeah. they'll come out milky, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Because of the air that's still in the in the ice. So as it cools slowly, it allows the it pushes the air out, and it's more more of a more compact version of ice. It's denser. Very interesting. So it lasts longer. So you get three. I usually get three to four drinks out of that one ball. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because it's yeah, and it's mad. It's it's aesthetic, and it's uh, when you're drinking out, you go. And it's just water, <laughs> really. Well, that's right. Such yeah. a thrill. Such a thrill out of water. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Small things, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, yeah, what's been going on with you, man? Well, I'm trying to remember when the last time is that we talked. Mm-hmm. I think it was a couple of years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have just been starting my master's degree or finishing it up. Oh, yeah, finishing up your master's. That's right. Yeah, yeah. or around about doing it kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, since then, yeah, worked on a couple of different projects. Yeah. Um, got a, another film going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there we go. Yeah, cool. There we go. Now we're in the zone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been mainly mainly working on some of my own projects um, and doing some creature design for some other people. Creature design. Yeah. That's mad. All right, we'll yeah. get into that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a cliff I want to jump off. Okay. All right. Um, and yeah, been learning game design as well. Game design. All right. Great. Game design and uh, creature design. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's yeah. do that. I think you, you warmed up, man. Do you want to jump into this bad boy? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Are uh, you ready to go, Mr. Wade? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. And welcome to the Pager Train. Today, I have in the studio with me one of the uh, princes of horror from Western Sydney, Benjamin Morton. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> man, yeah, I had such a good chat with you last time, man. I had to get you back. You know, there's a few of those uh, interviews that I do. You go, man, I just got to talk to this dude again. Um, got some, yeah, uh, unique ideas. Well, I always say you should always try something twice, just mm-hmm. in case you don't like it the first time. <laughs> you saying you didn't have fun last time? No, I didn't. <laughs> Everyone has fun on the pager train. It's the drinks card on the pager train. So, what have you been up to? Me? Um, oh, I've been working really hard, man. Uh, working on the uh, production company that I'm trying to start up. Yep. It's already in operation. It's just I just need to formalize it, you yep. know, and uh, make it create a structure and the you know most of that structure's there um but i've got a few more checkpoints to get through yeah uh, to get there um got some good clients coming up cool. you know and just um you know making making movies man yeah um trying to make fun of movies like don't get me wrong i like the corporate stuff yep because uh, it pays well yep but uh yeah so there's some more interesting stuff to do out there i'm starting to lean more lean more into the documentary side of stuff okay yeah 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 um day in the life of um promote you know uh or you know borderline promotional because that's what uh, docos can be sometimes they're promotional pieces yeah and that's how if you do a lot of promotional work it's easy to walk into that that it's a similar style of uh filmmaking yeah yeah so that's what i'm uh that's what i've been up to yeah been doing strange stuff, man. I've been doing uh, live streams, yep. uh, at live events. Basically, we just do uh, made in the West for other people, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a that's that's a quite lucrative and doing well. Um, but it's going to do better if we just you know put in the elbow grease and at some point I've got to dive in and do it. Yep. 
You know, the, the whole enchilada. Yeah, you just got to take the plunge sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Done it a few times. Successfully sometimes, otherwise, sometimes not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, contract work. Um, bouncing from contract to contract. Um, I'm in really good work at the moment. Pays well. Mm-hmm. Good, good arrangement. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's going to be very hard to jump ship from that to pursue full-time me and yep. my company and the people I work with and their dreams and aspirations, my dreams and aspirations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but man, you've been working on some projects lately yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, since finishing the master's degree, mm. um, I worked on a couple of different projects, been filming one of my own projects. But oh, yeah? Keep that a bit hush-hush for now. Oh, yeah? Are you in the filming process now? Um, we're finished filming. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Horror? Um, yeah, so it's a horror, horror, horror film. Of course, it's a horror film. Of course, it's a horror film. Um, you know, if it if you're good at something, you know, mm. never do it for free. That's you know? right. Um, hey, heard that somewhere yeah. before. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's a horror film. Um, mm. At the moment, we're in post production. Yep. Um, I'd like it to be finished. Yeah. <laughs> it's never finished though, bro. It's never, it's never finished. finished, man. Um, but you just got to finish it. That's right. Yeah. So at the moment, there's no need to rush it. So yeah. we can take a bit more time mm-hmm. um, to make it, you know, a bit really, more, really good. More quality, yeah, more timing. A bit, bit more quality. Um, but yes, uh, art is never really finished. No. None of my films I've been finished with. All right, so... Every, all of my shorts, mm-hmm. right? Like I won, like best film for two, and one's on still streaming now on DVD and Blu-ray and stuff like that. And I'm still sitting there going, yeah, but if I had two more days, I was gonna do that and that and that and that. So a lot of the times, I like to lock in a release date yeah. or a festival screening or something like that, and then just go for that. Give yourself a deadline. Mm. And just lock it off then, and just go. Well, too bad. Well, yeah, the deadline's important. Yeah. Um, because a lot of us have been caught up, especially ro- the writing process is really um, uh, um, um, uh, tends towards this idea, and that is we put it off. Yes. You put it off. You go. Well, I've got these other priorities in my life, and you start balancing things. Um, especially um, in, in you know the arts, man. Like if you get an opportunity to make money doing art, that's going to take priority over your own work sometimes. You know, and there's obviously we all want to go through that transition, but um, if you don't have a deadline, Mm -hmm. that means the thing that gets cut first is your project. Yeah. So to put discipline on your projects, you you have to put a deadline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And otherwise, you'll never actually finish it. No. There is plenty. It's never finished, and you'll never actually finish it. Yeah, and you'll never actually finish it if you don't have a deadline. People can sit there and work on the idea for 10, 10 years writing this one idea that they never actually get done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, a lot of the times it's better to just, like, bash it out in a way. Yep. Get it done. Learn from your mistakes. Mm. Move on. Yeah. Kind Everything's of, a learning experience. Yeah. Make another one. Um, yeah. I've got, a good friend of mine would say um, an experience is something that you have when you don't get what you want. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. You know, because yeah. then you it's a you know you still learn from um, experience. Experience, because experiences are usually something you refer to in the negative tone. Like that was an experience, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or in the tone of obscurity. Experiences mm-hmm. are in the obscure, and failure is in the obscure because mm-hmm. it's outside of the the focus of what you're up to. Yes, your focus is this thing, 
And if, it, if you fail at that thing, it's outside the scope of what you were planning. It's fringe. Mm. And, you gotta, and that's why it's hard to deal with. Because it's not what you wanted. Yeah. You can plan to fail, though. Oh, yeah. We, okay, yeah. Interesting how you say that. It's interesting how you say that. Um, I think you can... I think, uh, I think we're all guilty of that yeah. in some way. The old self-sabotage. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that's why I like deadlines and enrolling other people in your project. Because when you enroll other people in your project, now a clock is ticking mm. and now they're enrolled and invested in your, your idea. Yep. And if you don't toe the line with the, um, the motivation and the drive of that idea, yeah. they'll get pissed off. That's right. So yeah. it's one of the only things that actually keeps driving me to finish a film or any kind of artistic project. Yeah, collaboration. Is the collaboration <laughs> and how bad I would feel by letting down all the other people right. for just sitting there and watching South Park. Yeah. Um, I like so, South Park. Yeah, I like South Park too. <laughs> I like um, Rick and Morty as well. No yeah, I really like Rick and Morty too. <laughs> um, but yeah, sometimes you just want to sit there and watch Netflix. Um, totally. if you, yeah, when you collaborate with other people, especially as like a filmmaker and mm. stuff, you've got actors and stuff like that that put themselves out there, put themselves on the line and stuff yeah, like totally. that Yeah, the, totally. They're on the chopping block. You're behind the camera, you know? Yeah. And um, so... A lot of it, it's like obligation to them mm-hmm. that you sometimes like, yeah, you want to finish it for them. Yeah. And so when you've got an actor that does a good performance, um, it really drives you to like, I've got to get this film done. Sadly, this film is really well acted. Mm. Um, so you, you've, got, you've got some gold and you have to mine it. Yeah. And that's not just your gold. It's yeah. their gold too. So like you have I, to do it. I show other people some like rough cuts and stuff and they're like, oh, that's really good acted. And I'm like, ah, oh. so I can't just throw it, throw in the towel and quit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, you got to finish this film. Yeah, yeah. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a, um, an outright failure. So you have to continue. Yeah. And in fact, it's actually pretty good. So you definitely have to continue. So you have to keep going. Yeah. That's the hardest thing is when you're sitting there going, oh. Well, that's, that's where the fatigue is. Usually you're fatigued at that point. Yeah. And you're like, man, if only it had a better writer director. Mm. <laughs> um, this could be a really good film if yeah. only there was someone else in the driving seat yeah no well it's not true though it's not true I love that imposter monster though because it's, it's I find I, I try to look for the comedy in the imposter monster I take the piss out of myself if that makes sense yep. when you're putting yourself down yep. uh, going that this is out of reach uh, however it's out of reach whether you're not good looking enough not talented enough not skilled enough not experienced enough not wealthy enough yep. whatever the forte um, when that voice shows up, I try to mock it. I try to put it down. I put it down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Is that all you've got? Uh, is that yeah. it? That's, that's your insult. You try to egg it. That I can't do this. That's, okay. that's your angle. Okay. Mm. All right. Bring it on. You know, and that's how I argue with myself, I guess. Cause we all have that argument. Yeah. You know, Netflix, couple of drinks. Yeah. Hanging out with some friends. Yeah. Socializing. Yeah. I actually think. Part of how you deal with that is one of the key things to being a successful artist. Mm. All right? It doesn't matter about talent or education or anything like that. No. At the end of the day, like, so I think like the first year of like any kind of art course mm. should be sit in a room with your own thoughts and yeah. try not to quit the course. Yeah. And after six months, whoever's still there going, yeah, no, I think I want to be a filmmaker. Yeah. They're like, well, all right. You, you can go to the next room where you actually start learning stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, all the other people that quit. It's a big question. I want to be a filmmaker. It's a big question. Because uh, if you're... 
There's a lot to unpack. Yeah. There are, there are so many intersections of art and skill sets that are required. Yes. A lot, and, and even uh, across genres, they may vary in nuance, but yeah. there is core, there's core technique, core strategies to actually achieve film. And you can learn them different ways. You can go to educate, you know, go to the education, get them. Yeah. Um, film school, you know. Yeah. Uh, self-taught YouTube. YouTube's got everything. YouTube. Experience itself, picking up a camera and turning it on. Yeah. And I think they all have their place, but the 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 latter, uh, the 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 um, is it the latter or the former? It's the latter. Yeah. The latter is that um, you know, experience um is, is the key. Yeah. You know, yeah. a soft shot when it's out of focus. You learn the pain of that, yep. and you don't let it be soft again. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so one of the hardest ways to learn mm. is through it's those painful. mistakes yeah. and that pain and yeah. that resilience in a way, um, and then you let your, your fear of that failure that you've already experienced mm. um, drive you to not do it again in a way. Yeah, that's right, because you've been burnt before and you know, how, you know where the flame is. Yeah. Yep. So you got to. That's how you navigate those spaces. Uh, but don't get me wrong. You can draw on uh, disciplines to do that and go in more prepared than others. That's totally true. You can totally do that. Um, would one prosper more than the other? For me, it's always those that are hungry, those that are willing to be cross-disciplinary, yep. um, those that are willing to um, go into disciplines that they aren't the best at. Like that, you know, you might be a really good cinematographer, mm-hmm. but then you start directing, or you might be a director that starts being a shooter, or a writer that becomes a director, or an actor that becomes a director, or a director that becomes an actor. Mm-hmm. And all of these crossovers are really valuable, yeah. especially in this day and age, and the accessibility, the tr- you know how we train ourselves and how we train ourselves to think, because that's what essentially we're talking about. Yeah, that imposter monster and fighting the emotions of failure and fighting the emotions of. The desire to write, the desire to create, the desire to be a storyteller, um, because there's, you know, there's, you could say that there's glamour to those sort of things, yep. and that's where people would be maybe driven to it. But the, you've got to understand that that is that's the one percent, not even the other ninety nine percent is sleepless nights, long working hours, um, shuffling budgets, um, working second jobs, yep. um, uh, working with clients you don't want to work with, yeah. Um, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into being a storyteller. Yeah. Um, there's a pretty, it's pretty well known that, yeah, if you want to be rich, like be an investment banker or something like totally. that. If you want to be famous, you know, start a TikTok channel. Um, Starting to TikTok soon. Uh, watch your space kids. Yeah. If, if, if you want to like give up all your sleep and, uh, lose a bunch of friends, um, become a filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, if you want to be estranged by your family, um, become yeah, a filmmaker. Yeah, pretty much. Why don't you have that barbecue? It's going to edit. Well, because <laughs> I've been editing. <laughs> Why'd you go to that birthday? Oh, well, I had a job on. It, it was like, it was a Saturday night gig. Look, I've got to go earn. You know? It's it, it's interruptive. Yeah. Like, it's an interruptive industry, man. It's weird times. Yeah. And it's uh, uh, emotional because you've got to fight your emotions doing it. Um, and you're out there on the platform, man. Like once you've built your um, piece of art, you know whatever it is, it's going to be published somewhere. Yes. And I even I talk because I've talked to a lot of lot of people on the show, man, about this very idea of um, creating art, the imposter monster, the desire to write. And I've seen so many people, so many artists, get up to the point where it's completed, finished. Yep. Maybe not in their mind, but it's the the t- the, the brief is met you know, at minimum. Yep. The brief is met. 
and they still don't release their film. Mm. I've gotten, I've convinced at least six filmmakers to enter Made in the West that on a film mm. that they're sitting on, and they all most, I think most of those were official selections, mm. and they still sat on it. Yeah, because that's you know that's a competitive field. That's a massively competitive field. Yeah, because like the angle, anyone can run in it. Anyone can go in it for any reason as long as it's you know tied to our district right in some yep. way so it's highly competitive yeah and uh i've watched people sit on films that have made it in mm. and you go you're crazy man just mm. release the fucking film mm. and that fear is still crippling at the point of um distribution you've already won yeah and you refuse to win yes <laughs> well like yes that's exactly right so I sat on point of view, like my first thought that one, mm. um, right up until oh, about an hour before the first, like the deadline of the festival that we were entering. It was about to close. To the point that someone else working on the film called the actress to call me to say, I don't think Ben's going to enter the film. Yeah, okay. And so then she called me, and then she's like, you got to enter the film and I'm giving, like, oh, giving you a push. It's not, yeah. it's not good enough and it's a, I don't want to embarrass you. Yeah. I said, I'm sorry. It's my, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's my, all my idea. Yeah, yeah. It's your do- idea and it's yeah. your fault. But I don't yeah, want you to look bad being in this silly little idea. I don't want to drag you into my I shit, wrote. man. I yeah. cause this problem. It's not, a, yeah. it's not a triumph. It's a problem. Yeah. I've paid you. Mm. It's cool. Mm. Like it's, Better than working you know, for a day. Yeah. I said, but you know, we probably won't have the film. She's like, you release that film or I'm going to come there right <laughs> now. Good you enter her. it. And I'm like, oh my God. I sat there in that cinema went with her and she's like, mm. yeah, it's going to be great. And I'm like, oh my God, this, this is so embarrassing. People are going to laugh. Yeah. It's right. amazing, isn't it? It's amazing how you do that to yourself. Oh. I've been, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. And a lot yeah. of other people listening do. Yeah. The demon on my shoulder, it's really big. Yeah. Um, and he's sitting there going, ah. Loud as well. Yeah. Loud and articulate and very well at putting you down. And um, to be legitimately scary, mm. it's kind of hard. It's yeah, kind of hard yeah. to go out with your friends, throw some ketchup on each other and go, oh, you stabbed me. Oh. Yeah. And everyone go, is he all right? Mm. Is he okay? Mm. What did you do to him? Mm. You go, no, 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 it's fine. It's all make-believe. Mm. Um, and so I'm sitting there going, oh, people are going to laugh at my films. Mo- I think I'm a fairly funny guy. Like I say, yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah, watch South laugh, Park, bro. Rick and Morty, all that kind you of stuff. You make me laugh, bro. <laughs> and I, I, started, I started out making some comedies and things, but... Yeah. They never went anywhere and things like oh, that. Oh, no, you got a horror mind, dude. And so I'm I, like, I've, t- oh. I've told you a few times, man. you totally got a horror mind. And so I'm like, well... It's great. I don't know if this was, like, because I was trying out different genres. I made a kid's show for the ABC. Oh, yeah? I pitched once. Yeah? Yeah, comedy. It was comedy gold stuff back on Comedy Channel days. Yeah, yeah. Um, bunch of things. Um, as After finishing my degree. And so I yeah, worked through it. And then I went... Uh, I'll make a horror film, you know, that's the next genre to try out. Mm. And I'm sitting there going, uh, I, I don't think this is going to live. It's usually people's first genre to go to. A lot of people start in horror and then they venture out. Yeah. You ventured to horror. Yeah, from a learned place. Yeah. Where I'm like, look, if I can genuinely make someone scary 
it can be cheap on the budget yeah. like it's makeup skills which i came from a background of makeup yeah. and special effects and so that's why i thought it would be easier to do horror mm-hmm. um even though i came from like a love of sci-fi and fantasy yeah. i don't have a hundred million dollar budget yet um, <laughs> we're working so, on it we're working on it yeah so um <laughs> bi-coastal jo- theme parks as well that's what we're going for too yeah anyone else genre um films mm-hmm. horror is still kind of like the cheaper of the genres generally mm-hmm. and so yeah i kind of found my way to it but i sat there in that thing and i'm like oh I, I don't get what the audience is doing right now mm. because during the screening, it was a big shorts gala. Mm. You have a bunch of different shorts and things yeah, like yeah. that playing. And, you know, you'd hear people snicker and laugh at boobs or things like that during the movie. But when my movie came on, the whole cinema just... Hush. Mm. And I'm sitting there going... Oh, you flat- yeah, you flattened it, yeah. I'm like, gotcha. I don't know what's going on, I think. They're gonna hate me. Is is this is this the feeling of hate? Is is this yeah? (laughs) What's this? And people actually like clapped, and some people left, and I'm like, oh, people legitimately, they're affected by it. Were affected by it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's because I messed up. Okay, yeah, Yeah. cool. (laughs) Man, as I said, man, I don't know if the messed up's the right way. I think you just have a really unique way of looking at the world, man. I think you see the the tale in uh, um, in cynicism, in the tale in um, in thrill and violent thrill. Mm. I think you see. I think yeah, and you understand the the power of that narrative, man. Yeah, you really do. Um, one of the things that I was doing for my master's research yeah. was we had to do research, um, like pick a topic kind of thing, and really mm. research about that. And what I was doing was kind of the positive effects of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and how horror itself can um, help audiences. Yeah, totally. And it was really good because we just happened to be at the precipice of um, COVID and yeah. all that stuff. And so... Everyone's favourite time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a lot of my research actually helped my point of view at the mm-hmm. time um, because it was all about how people were that watched horror film mm-hmm. Uh, built up a level of resilience. Oh, yeah. And stuff like that. And they were actually doing research already okay. on how people who had watched like zombie apocalypse films yeah. and all these kind of horror survival films and even Mad Max and stuff were dealing with things like COVID better. Mm. Right? Than people that just watched interesting. Happy films. That's interesting. Yeah. And they found that what we were talking about was that generally, if you like, yes scary films and violent films so some people talk about it desensitizing you to those things Mm. but the fact of the thing is is the world is a violent place that's that's true the world is a scary place um has always been thankfully not in this country that we have to worry about like school shootings and things like that yeah but But in some countries yeah but even violence still occurs in australia still occurs and in multiple forms, man. Just check out the talking to COVID, man. Check out the police and protests, protest yep. interactions, man. Um, That's right. Old ladies being knocked over by twenty-five-year-old coppers versus coppers being assaulted when cornered, man. You know, that's violent. Yeah. So in a perfect world, it's yes. not shooting people dead violent, though. Yeah. In a perfect world, computer games and movies do desensitise you mm. to those things if you haven't seen those before. But a lot of the they time, introduce them as well. They can introduce, they can them, introduce them if yeah. you haven't had it introduced to you. Yeah. 
but in a lot of ways that can actually build resilience mm. all right and it's the same thing as like training all right yeah. or boxing and things like that if you've never taken a punch mm. the first time you get punched in the face you're like it's very surprising yeah what was that well, if someone has been punched in the head a few times, I can definitely say it's always surprising. Yep. Um, and yeah, I don't recommend it. It doesn't always get better the second <laughs> or third time, but you kind of learn to end up taking it. You do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we talked about how horror would build resilience. Yeah. Um, and so that's one of the main things that I have always thought about with my horror films mm. is how can I help you by you being scared of my film. Yeah. Oh, that's what, that's what I mean. You're not scared to be sinister in storytelling. That's no. that's the point I was making before. Yeah. That articulates it better. You're, you're, you're not afraid to venture into um, to the sinister side of things. Mm. And I think that's what a horror film person does, right? Yeah. And, you know, uh, but at the same time, there's the, you know, the fables that are in horror. Yep. There's heaps of... They're more... They're, more, um, um, uh, they're definitely more prevalent i think in horror you know the whole, whole idea of if you see someone smoking in a film i think we've talked about this before um if you see someone smoking in a horror film you know they're dead uh two couples uh, a couple you know um having sex in the woods they're doomed in the old rules that's right mm. yeah um i'm a big fan of like throwing caution to the wind with that yeah there is no more no morality mm. anyone can die you're an old lady, you're dead. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, you're see, a virgin, you're dead. Cynicism. Not cynicism, <laughs> sorry. Sinister ideas, man. I said yeah. cynicism before. No, it's not cynicism. It's sinister ideas. Yeah. I yeah. like it. I love it. <laughs> um, so I take a lot of my inspiration from comedy. Yeah. Um, and then I flip it. So I, I use this quote a lot of, um, mm-hmm. about Mel Brooks. Okay. All right. So Mel Brooks really defined comedy and tragedy. Mm-hmm. Shakespeare was the one who kind of did this, and Mel Brooks just kind of ad-libbed on what Shakespeare quoted. Yeah, yeah. But Mel yeah, Brooks, to the comedy side of things, yeah. Mel Brooks pretty much said the difference between a comedy and a tragedy is that if it's something like if I walk over there and I fall down mm. and I break my leg, mm-hmm. you laugh, I cry. Yeah. And so the only difference between the comedy and the tragedy mm. is about how much you relate to the subject. All right? Yeah. And so where I found the difference with some horror films and some comedy horror films mm-hmm. is how much we relate to the victims. Yeah, right on. Right. Cuz so, yeah, you what you cuz you start um uh, rooting for them going, you know, uh, or um you don't feel no no, sorry, not rooting for them, but you don't feel compassionate for them so they yeah. they can be sacrificed right. in some way. So, like, House of Wax, mm-hmm. right? Cast Paris Hilton. Mm-hmm. Not to bring in all the Paris Hilton fans and supporters into the horror genre. Mm-hmm. House of Wax cast Paris Hilton because they thought the fans would get a laugh out of watching Paris Hilton run around and get her head chopped off in the film or whatever. Yeah. That it's the sh- fraud of the whole situation. Yeah, yeah. That people like, ah, oh, ha, 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 look at that jock, or ah, oh, ha, ha, look at that person dying. Yeah, 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 I okay, gotcha. And so a lot of the times people are actually taking a comedy out of the person's tragic demise. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so a lot of people are watching horror for the comedy side of it. Yeah, I suppose, like, I think I like um, Evil Dead for these reasons. 
right. that, that taps into that, especially the new ones that are out. Um, I think it's um the series that's out about Ash. Oh yeah, yeah. Ash yeah, versus yeah. the Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah. Ash versus the Evil Dead Man. Like yep. they've totally then le- they've really leaned into the comedy. Yeah. You know, uh, but like when they first did a, a student film too, Evil Dead originally was that, which is super cool. Yep. Um. Uh. But I think they were going for the you know the the um uh, practical effects. Um, trying to scare people um, out of their wits yep. for the time and the zeitgeist of, of that moment. Yep. But uh, it evolved into leaning into the comedy of it because people yep. then watched back. If you look back at it, you go, it is pretty funny. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. And so it can be like the difference between like, if I wanted you to care about my character mm. in my film, I would make the film, the main protagonist, someone you would care about mm. or someone you could relate to. Mm. So I'd try to make the character more closer to you or someone you would respect or at least mm. know. Mm. Because that's the other thing is r- relation and empathy mm-hmm. and sympathy. All right? You can empathize with someone without sympathizing with them. That's true, yeah. Well, if you haven't experienced what they've experienced, then yeah. you're empathizing. Yeah. And sympathy isn't always necessarily a, a good emotion. Sometimes sympathy can be kind of like... Oh, oh there's a pity to it. Yeah, pity to it. Yeah, yeah. Like, empathy is usually on a much more kind of even playing field of like, oh, I haven't experienced that, but I'm empathetic. Yeah, it plugs into the humane ideas. You're yeah, right. It does, yeah. yeah. And so... You know, you're watching someone drown, it doesn't matter who it is, you'd be like, man, I've got to save that person. Because I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to be drowning. And I'd want you to save and me. And I'd want you to save me. That's yeah. right. And so you don't necessarily try to touch on the sympathy. You try to touch on the empathy mm. with the victims. Interesting. I love it. Yeah. This is great. And so I try to think about all those sorts of things. All right. So without this film that you're working on, right? I know, you know, I know you can't talk too much about no. it. I, wasn't gonna, I, was, I was going to attempt to probe a little bit there. And you're just going to say no. Probe anyway. a little bit. But yeah. Probe a little bit. So is it, is it practical effects that you're doing or are you doing special effects? Mix like, of both. Okay. Um, I learned that from James Cameron. Mm-hmm. All right, where he said, use whatever you need to make the best result. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's great, great advice. All right, there's a whole bunch of people that sit there and go, oh, it's got to be all practical. And I'm like, yeah, dude. I've some been, people are practical diehards and some well, people are, you know, graphics diehards. I've been a special effects makeup artist since 2003. Yeah. All right, and I'm like, yeah, I can sculpt and you can do the makeup and then... And then you use a bit of Photoshop and you use this. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. It's got to be all practical. No digital. No, nah, there's nothing wrong with enhancing shit. No way. Like, you totally want to enhance it. <laughs> well, I guess what I'm leading to is like, how did you find the, um, inter- you know, because obviously there's an intersection of um, practical effects versus VFX. Yep. And putting VFX in, how did you find like making them marry and making them, you know, be as seamless as possible? Yeah. Um, I well, is it a plan that you go in and like, is that plan the same when you get to post or? It, it, a little bit, yeah. Like, I guess what I'm asking is how much is it by seat of your pants? How much of it is it a plan? Because um, you'd have a plan, like my theory about plans is, is that that's a list of shit that doesn't happen. So you have a yeah. plan and, and then it never, and, and then you throw that away yep. and then you work with what you created. Yeah. So you kind of can't buy the seat of your pants too much with visual effects. Mm-hmm. But you can with experience. Yeah. Right? So when you go, after you shoot that, you go, oh, yeah, okay, I could do that. In When you can see what you could do in the moment to mm-hmm. the shot, then you can kind of ad-lib it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we did kind of fly by the seat of our pants with some stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I was, yeah, mixing kind of practical on set stuff. Yeah. With then what will be lots of, lots and lots of layers of composites and yeah, great. I love composites. I'm, 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 uh, I have paradoxical thinking about compositing, right? Yeah. I love compositing, yeah. but then I fucking hate compositing, man. It's so time consuming. Oh, yeah. It is really time consuming. But once you get on a roll, like when you're in the zone with composite um, work, I love it. I absolutely love it. But um, yeah, I guess yeah, why I'm probing is because most of the stuff I do in compositing is seen in my pants. I will. I build my own plugins to do stuff yeah. like different textures, yeah. um, different you know, different lighting signatures, different skin tones, whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's usually uniform crosser music video that I'm making, or it's you know, it's of that sort of nature where I'm sort of going, this kind of works. I'll apply it. I've never really done you know VFX. I actually have done a little bit of VFX in short films. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um well, the one I've only the only one I've done is where I melted the sky. I melted the stars. So this serial killer is watching his child self look into the sky mm-hmm. and then as he's torturing someone the child looks to the stars and the stars melt. Um that's the only VFX I've ever done though. And that took and fucking I'm forever. The weird one, though. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write that movie, by the way. A big uh, shout out to Matthew uh, Lichin. We shot out that, that out in Cobar. Um, I was speaking of which, a perfect, a perfect time for a plug, a personal plug. Uh, we're going up to Cobar soon to do the uh, Running on Empty Festival. Go and check it out online, guys. Uh, it'll be all the cars from the Running on Empty film. Um, and we will be there uh, doing the uh, promotional capture and doing a little doco for those guys. So, uh, yeah, uh, 21st of September to the 25th of September. Check it out. Running on Empty Festival. Cool. Shameless plug. Sorry. No, that's <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I find I find VFX scary. I find I, the practical effects side of things I find scary because it's so intricate. There's a lot of do you do a lot of preparation to do a shot. Yeah, be hours of preparation, right? Yeah, and yet sometimes just do the shot first. Mm. So with this. Um, like so with some of the practical makeup mm-hmm. um, I'll make the moulds and make everything and like do it on my friends and myself yeah Um, I can't remember who it was there's actually a really big famous filmmaker who really does this as well what Kronberg they pretty much make the <laughs> film themselves in their lounge room okay and sit there and go okay okay okay, okay. so in this next shot I want a close up here and they'll film the camera and then look in the show and go, Yeah, yeah, okay, like that. And actually test but, test out some Oh and then of they the go shots. and duplicate it and up scale up. Yeah, yep. yeah. And then use it with the real actors and stuff. Yeah, okay. And have their like have three of their friends just mm. block out everything for them. Yeah, okay. Um so I did a bit of that. Um so I had like Yeah, test shooting. Tried out the makeup, seeing if that worked. Um yeah, got the actress did a full costume check with her, mm. got her to walk up and down a hallway, made sure the effect would work. Yeah. Um, that was even before casting was finished. Yeah, okay. Um, so well, we, so you're doing like the special effects for, for on the screen before you even finish casting. Yeah. That's yeah, mad. Yeah, you have to, you'd it. have to, right? How much time is that? Yeah. So, yeah, man, because I, I spend a lot of time making stuff, right? It takes me forever. Yeah. Like my whole, most days are occupied. Yeah. And when they're not, I'm trying to watch Netflix or not watch Netflix so I can go do some work in the yeah. edit suite, right? I, I just, doing that sort of thing is amazing, man. Like, do you do, do you have, um, 
like um do you have like uh, assistants helping you or are you just like total solo through the whole project um from the special effects side of things i've mainly done most of the stuff myself mm. i outsource a couple of things to different people yeah um, but a lot of the times it's kind of hard to communicate some of the ideas and what you want exactly. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. Because you can ask someone to do something frame by frame. Mm. And then they come back six weeks later and you're like, no, I said to the left, not to the right. And they're like, oh, you could have told me that six weeks ago. Yeah, but that's... got to go back. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah, you know, that's not a, that's not a fun revisit on a revision on a rotoscope. That sounds horrifying. So a lot of a lot of this stuff, scarier than the fucking movie, man. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm a little bit scared about that. So I have done a lot of rotoscoping, a lot of frame by frame. Dude, I don't know how you guys do it. A lot of little dots. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So key, you know, key points, anchor points, all this kind of stuff. And with this project, at least, I've had so much to do on the project. Mm. I was like, I can't get someone else to do this. Yeah. I would actually feel bad. Yeah. Where yeah. I turn up and I go, oh, hi. So you like rotoscoping? And they're like, yeah, I want you to cut this out. Right. And mm. this out. Uh-huh. And this. Yeah. And this. And this. And this. And this. And this. And this. And they're like, Ugh. Are you paying me? And then I'm like, oh, and then how much do I have to pay them? I'm yeah, like, they're gonna work out how much it's worth for the time because it's pretty expensive, man. I just sit there every night, and so most nights. Well, that's how you say, that's how you keep your budget together. You have to do it. I know the feeling. Yeah. Keep the budget together. That means you're the principal. That's right. You're the one out there making the T1000 overnight. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'd love to do that. Get the molds for a T1000. That'd be fucking mad. So you sit there, <laughs> and yeah, you're just kind of frame by frame, space frame by frame. Space, frame by frame. Brutal. It's fucking brutal. Like, I like I can... Um, editing interviews, I can do near blindfolded. Yeah. Right? Like, I can just sit at a... I can just, yeah, do it. I can do it in... Um, some interviews I can do times four. So, I'll edit in times four doing multicam editing. Yeah. Because you just cut in the action. Well, people go, hey, you don't even hear what they say. I'm like... Yeah. I know what they've said. I shot it. Yeah. That's the point. Yep. That one, 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 that one. And that's how I do it. Yeah. And that's still slow. Like, because you got to to punch out product, right? Yeah. But that's sort of a corporate sort of thing, you know? Like, I haven't made a film that I was directing or that I shot or wrote and directed in about two years. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I've got to get, I've got two on the burner that I've got to get out there. Mm. They're ready to trigger. Ready to enroll someone in the idea. Yeah. I'm smart I'm smart enough to be stupid enough if that makes sense. I've set myself up where I've built these two projects yep. to the point of trigger and I haven't triggered them. Because mm. I know as soon as I trigger them, they're going to affect the rest of my time scale of all my other projects. Yep. <sighs> Deadlines. That's what I've got to do. That's what I've got to do. Um, yeah, yeah this, this, this conversation is turning terrifying. Now we're talking about rotoscoping and like deadlines and my anxiety is going up. I've got so much work to do. I've got five films to make and I've got two months to do it. Oh my God. Okay, we can do it. We can do it. Um, yeah, man. Uh, okay, so mainly mainly practical effects for your film. Yeah. A little bit of VFX. Yeah. Uh, it's in post-production. Yep. Are you at the start of post-production at the end of post-production? Midway. Midway. Okay. Okay. Are we talking uh, a short? I, Is it a short or a feature? No, it's a feature. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shit, um, dude. I, I've Mad. Done, I've done enough small Can we get a title? Can we get the title of this film? Does it have a title? Not going to do the title? 
Okay, no title. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe the title. I might get it out. I'll give you... Just have, have, have more have of another, that vodka. Have another drink. Have another drink. Oh. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a feature. Mm. Um, you can only do short form stuff for so long. Yeah, it's true. And then it's just a passion thing. All right. So already I've gotten to where there's a couple of short form ideas. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to shoot and do mm-hmm. because I'm like, oh, that's a sick idea. Oh. Do I care if anyone's going to watch it? No. Um, but now I've got kind of a couple of foots in the doors with some of the streaming networks. Yeah. And, and they're really starting to like short form stuff now as really? well. Because they realize how much work goes into making all this Man. form stuff. And that, that we, we can't just bash out another season for them in nah. a week. And they sit there and go, oh, Really? Can you have some anything for us? And you like, I can have a five-minute film for you. Yeah, man. Look, I'm I'm across um, different festivals, um, doing work for a whole bunch of people, including myself, doing a festival. Yep. Watch a lot of short films. Yeah. Um, in a year, I'd watch anywhere between two to three hundred short films. Yeah. Right. So you, you've got to check. You've got to check the market and check out a lot of things. The things that people do are fucking incredible. Yeah. They're incredible. Yep. Some of these guys are dropping 20 grand, 40 grand. Some are, some of those other big guys are actually dropping like, you know, 80, 90, 100 grand on a short film. Right. Right. Because so, they're using it as their, like, this is our production company. This is what we can do. Let us do a big feature for you. Right. Mm. That's what they're trying to go for. Yeah. So you've got you to gotta bet on yourself. And that's what short, that's what I find shorts are. That you've got to bet on yourself until you do your feature. To an extent. So... I had this problem when I was doing my degree. Mm-hmm. And we had, um, so because of my year, my university then had to set budgets. Because mm. I'm like to the teacher, so do we have a budget restriction for our music video? And he's like, no. <laughs> my <Mad>. sweet. <laughs> so me and the producer went and got a job. Mm-hmm. And pretty much just quit uni. And went and worked to get the budget for our video clip. Yeah, well, well, this other guy who was in the class, mm-hmm. he got his dad to bankroll his video clip. He hired a truck and this old vintage car and he had it yeah. up on the truck so they could have all dollying and all this kind of stuff. Holy we, shit. Our music videos, we went to war with each other with our music videos and in the end, the uni was just sitting there going, what the hell is this? And we're like, well, you said it didn't matter how much we spend on our music video, so here's my music video. Mind you, one of my friends from that from the thing is pretty much still working for Sony, making music videos now, and is one of Australia's big music video directors. So, so we got there. Oh yeah, but, so that, that, he was the guy that was going nowhere. No, no, so he, he was he was quite <laughs> Mark's quite good. He was, yeah, okay. he was in my group. I just I like bands. I've hung out with bands a lot, done a lot of music videos with mm-hmm. them and stuff. But yeah. in the end, it ends up just being more of a collaborative process, not necessarily a job for me. So if yeah. I have a band, so yeah, like, you're, you're the you're the you're the monkey at the editing editor suite. That's pretty much music video. Yeah, and you kind of end up doing you do it, and all the shots are the same. You do it for Once a narrative thing. one. Yeah. So like I've got a friend that's in that they're in a band and like I was like pitched them a music video idea the other day and they're mm. like, Yes, it will do it. But it's not for monetary. No, well you can't do that. Like the only ones that I've seen that do it for money are the rappers. Rappers will put they'll lay some cash down to do one. 
but then and they, they do it local studios that's yeah. an investment as well but yeah alex all well, those guys are taken off especially like you know the, the drill uh, rap movement man they, oh, those yeah. guys are taken off so you would invest in that but they're the only guys i really see that are investing in music videos everyone else is investing in uh, narratives and uh dramas and horrors comedies comedies are big yeah. everyone's trying to do a comedy Speaking of which, Maddie C. Vella has got his comedy out. Uh, she's not your type. Go and check it out. <laughs> Another shameless plug. Thank you, Maddie. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that I've had very interesting conversations with people at the other end of the filmmaking spectrum mm-hmm. um, about these short films and about how we just don't have capped budgets anymore. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that's because- pretty insane, though. Well, because that's the thing, is you turn around and you show me a short film you made and it cost you $100,000. Well, that's a And you're like, video, yeah. yeah, and it costs, and it takes 10 minutes. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, so but the work it, that goes into them. That's right. So it just depends. Like, I've seen some incredible short films, man, that, that they spent 100 grand on, some of them more. Mm. Like, some of the incredible ones that are out there. So my first one cost 200 bucks. Yeah, I'm not sure. I got 600, I think, my first one. All right. My first one cost 200 bucks. All right. Petrol costs more than the film. <laughs> All right. And 90% of that went to the one actress. Okay. And the rest of it's a bottle of blood and some glad wrap. Anyway, yeah, okay. Oh. Then when pretty much all of my films, mm. the budget's been actors yeah yeah all right and yeah but you're the driving force for the a little um, bit of makeup and things yeah but you're yeah but you would have you would have your like uh, what would you call it? like your stock holding of all the effects that you do yeah. you just find things that work you go yeah duplicate that scale that up yeah do a few of those like one thing i'm interested in though ben is how do you do arterial spurts man how does that go down when you, someone slashes someone's throat in a film, yeah. how do you get the arterial spurt? So you want it to spurt out? Yeah, yeah, like you know, almost a camera spray towards yeah. the camera. How do you do that? So you would usually use a pump. Mm-hmm. All right. So one of the systems I've got set up yeah. is pretty much like a garden um, weed spraying bottle. Yeah, yeah. All right, with a pump like that. Oh, yeah, it's a pre- yeah, so it's a pressurised um, pump. Yeah, I gotcha. yeah, a pressurised pump, yeah. which you'd normally put like insecticide stuff in. Yeah, to, like yeah, to poison, uh, poison bugs, just, yeah. Yeah, loop the tube up. Mm. And you usually put the tube in and you reverse it here so it can spray out. And you just time it with it, obviously, so you block the scene and then you time it for the release. That's right. So yeah. you've got a trigger guy that's like... Pssst. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So in one of my films... The, but the, act- the actors don't activate it or is it someone it off... It depends. It depends. Okay. So... One of my films, I had a person on a table, and I was the killer, and I was cutting them up with a knife, Mm -hmm. and I had another person underneath the table, controlling all the squibs. Okay. And so every time they would see me walking here, Mm -hmm. they'd know they're going to cut there, so they'd press that button. And they pressed that button, and they were like, "Yeah, mad." So you got to following the person. That's mad because I, I underneath think, the table. That's mad because I think like because when I do foley, right? Yeah, it's the after the fact, right? So you've got to react what actors have done in film. Like, yeah, yeah. for instance, a black you know leather jacket on the back of a chair. Yeah, they pick it up and walk out. You go well, so then I'll lay a leather jacket over a chair, and I'll duplicate their action so I can get the leather the sound of the leather so I can then you know EQ it. Um, you find yourself doing the film again, 
Where you're, yes. act, you're and you're synchronizing with their performance, but in a different narrative or in a different medium. Yeah. Um, so I find that really fascinating because that's synchronicity on film because that person is now acting with you. Yeah. And I find yeah I find that stuff fascinating that crossover of art where it's not just them on the screen because you, you know it's the easy one to go to is like you know someone being filmed. You got someone filming them. They're using their uh, stylistic um, uh, uh, way to do that, and they got someone that's doing that. Yes, all right. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, uh, I'll have a quick dairy break. Right. We're fucking Josh Brolin again, back from a break, dart break, wee break. Yeah. <laughs> Had to go water the strawberries. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, man, I yeah, we we're just talking before, um, you know, uh, off air. You know, talking about TikTok, man. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have been trying to convince me to go to TikTok. Yes. And I've been reluctant for a long time. Yes. And they've convinced me because I started looking at the data. And the data says that if you do small... You know, it makes sense. Like, if you were cooking steaks, right? Yep. Um, to get people to come to your restaurant, you might cut up sample sizes, stick them on sticks, and yep. go, try this steak. Yeah. And that's what I see TikTok as. It's these bite-sized bits of uh, clips. Yep. That people then you can perhaps get them to hang on to the idea and go, oh, I like that podcast or I like that idea, and then they'll go and look at your long form content. So I've been convinced to do it. Yep. And um, I'm fucking doing it because <laughs> now I'm doing the Instagram reels. I hope you guys are liking them. Doing the Instagram reels, they're quite quite popular, and you know keep watching them because it's um, it's boosting the channel on Spotify. Uh, video on Spotify. Don't forget to follow, uh, and uh, don't forget to subscribe on uh, YouTube. Um, but they're going off. YouTube's got steady growth. But um, yeah, what do you think of the whole TikTok thing, man? Are you a TikToker? Um, I'm not yet a TikToker. <laughs> um, a couple of the people I've worked with in the past um, are massive TikTokers. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the models, shout out to Abby, mm-hmm. um, is that, yeah, she was being constantly trying to convince me to do like a special effects makeup TikTok. That makes sense, man. People would love to see that. Yeah, and like even just like putting on some of the effects and mm-hmm. things like that or just playing around with them. And um, a lot of the times I'm like, oh, I don't know. I might get arrested. <laughs> um, <laughs> Surely you won't get arrested. Well, it's happened a couple of times. You're getting arrested, bro. Yeah. For making movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all, do tell me. What are you all charges about? have been dropped. Yeah, there we go. Um, right. So there you go. So I, I don't have a criminal record. Oh, good. Well, when was the last time you got arrested so for still filmmaking? Go to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> so when when we tell me about one of these arrests, man? What's going on? How did you get arrested making film? So I was shooting. Well, one of the more re- the most recent one, I think, was <laughs> how many times you've been arrested, bro? A few times. <laughs> there hasn't been many productions where someone hasn't called the police or something yeah i've had it before but they've been arrested <laughs> almost um so yeah one of the last times was yeah shooting a death metal video clip um for some guys and we had these girls dressed up as zombies and mm-hmm. some other people as corpses and we were literally having people ripped apart and attacked yeah in a suburb, um, and some people called paramedics, highway police. This is why you like clear everything with the local authorities and everything. Yeah, no, like get uh, get vetted, get and permission, make sure you're signed everything, um, and got it all right, done your insurances, all this kind of stuff. So we had 
we had police, we had highway patrol, we had all these other different squad cars turning up, and in the end, I had one of their commanders on the phone yelling at some of the police officers for latching onto this call out. Mm. Um, because they all thought it was a headache. Someone had called in a zombie attack in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, is this pre? This is during after COVID. Pre COVID. Pre COVID. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. So they call in a zombie attack, and uh, the ambulance cops like, officers were there. You see, highway like we're there. I'm <laughs> laughing with one of the paramedics. And you just see this highway patrol. And then stop. And you see just one of the other cops like telling him to go away. Because he was obviously still trying to come in to see where the zombies were. Yeah, wow. Wow. But they would have been... See, I've, I've heard of some similar stories like this before where people have been fighting in a park doing a um, martial arts scene. And then they think people are having a fight. But then, yep. what, you, know, what, you know, perhaps other things gave it away. Like maybe the film crew... Because when, you, when you've got a film crew, it's not just like a guy and a camera, generally. There's a lighting team. There's people holding onto reflectors. Um, you know, there's you know there's usually a gear point. Um, you know, usually you're standing around talking about what you're about to do. There's all these, there's plenty of indicators, right? Yeah. Um, but I've had, I've had friends that have, uh, you know, put in their permits for to working in park and the police have shown up and, you know, and the police were briefed. Stay away from this because don't, don't ignore a call about this because there's a film yeah, being made. That's right, you know, because that's what that's the system. That's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. I just I just find it strange that it fails every fucking time. Every nearly every time I've ever had anything <laughs> to do with it, it has. <laughs> um. So who yeah. do you call when you get arrested, Ben? <laughs> what do you say to them? I have friends in, that are federal police officers now. <laughs> and I'm friends with a couple of those local sergeants. Yeah, okay. And things like that, where I can be texting people going, mm. do you know officer blah, blah, blah? And he's like, oh, let me talk to him. And I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the zombie one. It's pretty boss, dude, that you go and make horror flicks and music videos and get arrested frequently yeah. doing them. They must be, uh, what's the word? Controversial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like that YouTube. Graphic. That one kept getting like taken offline and stuff and, because it was quite graphic, the video clip. Like, oh, really? It's very hard to find that video clip. Oh, wow. I was about to say, yeah, let's pull like, it up. But, uh, we put it up on YouTube and it just keeps getting taken down and flagged. and all that. Nah. So the band used that as a promo. Like totally. the banning of the video clip. Well, it's strange how they do these things, man. I don't think they should be able to do these things all the time. Like, there's some content, you know, where, like, clearly it should be banned, you know. Um, you know, uh, you know, you know, sexual content that's inappropriate or, yeah. you know, literal content that is, you know, um, you know, terrorist promotion content. That stuff shouldn't be on there. Yeah. But this is like... Film clips, yeah. music videos. This is that Halloween Man. Cuts the bands playing with lyrics coming up and things, and you're like, it's clearly, yeah, it's not a, a recruitment video or a, a video to in, in, incite violence, you know. Yeah, it may tap into those ideas, yeah. but it's that's not what it is. Like, I think when people attack these things, 
I find it amusing because you're like, well, it's, just, it's like if you go after heavy metal, for instance, yep. you know, that's a that's a good example in the past. People go after heavy metal because it's, you know, bad for kids and this, that, and the other. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's it's the it's theatre, man. Yeah. Like, have you ever been to a metal show? Like, people rock up um, in uniform, man. Like, they got you know denim uh, denim vests on with the patches of their favourite bands. Usually wearing some spikes of some kind. Usually uh, thick leather boots. Um, usually denim short, uh, denim uh, jeans. You know, um, that's 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 the theme. It's a theme. Yeah. Um, and it's a theme of entertainment. It's just controversial. That's all. But, but people people get entertained different ways, man. Yeah. People shouldn't be scared of corpse paint anymore. I don't think um, we've used that on real dead bodies in years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. I just, I just think, uh, yeah. I think we need to grow up a little bit with that sort of thing. You know, society itself, like, and across the spectrum, man. Like, you know, you can go and tie yourself to a person and jump out of a perfectly good airplane, but that clip needs to come off the internet. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? You can, you can. Um, you know, there was a local, poor local fella recently um, passed away. You know, uh, went to the bottle every day, bought a bottle of vodka. You know, mm. eleven days he was he was gone. Yeah, he drank. He literally drank himself to death. Yeah, that's that's normal. You yeah. can do that. Yeah, well, that's acceptable. That's for acceptable, our society. right? But that clip has got to come off the internet, Ben. Yeah, it's it's causing harm. Mm. It's just ridiculous. I just find it fanciful. Like there is, and don't get me wrong. Like, if you don't like that kind of content, there's a really simple solution. You don't have to watch it. You don't have to watch it. You know, and I think so. Yeah. I should stop sending like cancel the Kardashians, <laughs> <laughs> so I just don't have to watch the show. <laughs> well, I'd like to channel uh, the comedian Steve Hughes here. He would say, um, you know, um, you know, there, are, you know, what is offended? You know, you're offended, right? You're offended by this content in some way. Um, you could be offended by anything. It's subjective. Yeah. Um, Steve Hughes would say he's offended by boy bands. Um, you know, uh, you know, was he, what are you going to do? Ring the police and go, oh, there's five of them. Uh, they're on the TV right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm offended. It's damaging to my children. Well, I actually, I, this, this kind of serious, but we're going back to the fact that I'm yeah. a horror film director and I probably live in some sort of dark, dank cave. But, well, that's what I always assumed. Yeah, but I get offended by happy families playing in parks. <laughs> like, all the time. See, that's why I say that you make horror, man. That's why you make horror. Like, I'll see a dad walk along and pat his son on the head and go, you did a good job, boy. And I'm like, that is so offensive. Cancel you, sir. You shouldn't be allowed to do that in public. Mm. You know, not everyone's dad is supportive. Not everyone's families are happy. No. Well, well, there's a perception of happiness as well. Like, I think, so, look at social media itself, man. Um, my own Instagram account included. Um, you only show, generally, the the glimmer of what you do. Um, it's very rare that people get to see the, the dirt of what you do. Yeah. Yeah, because life is messy, man. Mm. Life has messy components. And a lot of those arguments are found, and especially through genre work in film, because that's, that's what I was talking about before, about these fables. Like, the stories can be told, the subtext to stories are really important uh, and because those subtexts and I think that's what the authorities are afraid of when it comes to this sort of thing you know they want to mm. I brought it up before they want to ban um, drill rap because they're saying that it incites violence but yep. but you, these guys these young people that are doing this come from a violent place Yeah, of course their music is going to be reflective of that alright you have to able to you have to be have the right to reflect you should have the right to pursue happiness 
If your happiness is doing, um, you know, having someone being stabbed on a table while someone's working pumps underneath in order to film that, edit it, rotoscope it, put it into a film, set it into a narrative to, you know, scare the fuck out of people in the cinema, Mm. why not? Mm. I don't see the problem with it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So... As it's really my, easy, though. As my school <laughs> principal would say, just as long as you do it with good intentions, man. Intentions, everything. Yeah. See? So, in the end, as long as I'm scaring you, but I'm hoping to scare you for the right reasons, yeah. then that's all right. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm not a prick. Mm. I'm not sitting there going, hey, 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 rah. Um, that's what I mean. You go into these uh, sinister ideas, but I don't find you to be a prick, man. Like, I can talk to you for hours, man. Yeah. So, you, you, you try know? to... You're a, nice, you're a nice guy. I, I'm, I'm trying to be a nice guy. And people you're a nicer like, guy than me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm you an make asshole. horrible films. And I'm like, yeah, well, the films are horrible, so I can be nice. Um, but a lot of the times... Interesting. It's, it's, yeah, putting all... Expelling all those things. Com- comedians would say the same, a similar thing. Yeah. Uh, they have to make people laugh in order to make themselves feel better. That's right. Because they're in a sad place, right? And they're in a dark place. Yeah. That's why I find it interesting before, like you started in trying to do comedy and trying to do bubbly you know bubbly work for you know lack of a better terminology but um venturing into horror and realizing yeah there is the 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 cross section of comedy and tragedy and that's what you were talking about before about shakespeare right and that's what shakespeare was about that's right the comedy and tragedy so the main difference with the how where shakespeare coined the difference between the comedy and the tragedy mm. was about who he marketed the plays to so you could make a film about killing politicians. Mm-hmm. And I think that'd be a popular idea. I've got a short right. film idea for this one. So if we made that film and we sold that film to people that are the common people, they might enjoy that film. Mm. And they might find it a comedy. And they might go, ha ha, silly politicians. They're all dead and they got what they deserve. Mm. Whilst, if we go and take it to Parliament House, mm. we do a special screening for everyone during question time. <laughs> Film that. But <laughs> the Governor General will be sitting there going, you just tell me when you want me to turn it off. And yeah, I'm yeah. Like, yeah, no, they would be horrified, right? Yeah. But that's, yeah. Part, of, that's part of what you'd want, though. And that would so, work really well. We can get a good TikTok out of that. Yeah. And so, <laughs> what Shakespeare was actually able to do, pretty smart dude. Um, I think... People remember him. Um, he's well known. Yeah, you mean Bill? Yeah, yeah, yeah Bill. Bill, Bill, Bill. Yeah, well, pe- other people called him Shaky. Shakespeare <laughs> people. Oh, yeah, yeah. One day. Yeah, Shaky. Yeah, I remember Shaky. Yeah, yeah, Shaky. Yeah. Um, he would build his theaters, right? Yeah. And you'd have two different posters, two different entries. Okay. And so you'd have the rich, upper class, kind of royalty, kind of. Yeah, sitting entrance. in the yeah yeah sitting in the box, right? Sitting yeah. in the box, yeah. And that entrance, right, would say, "Come watch the great tragedy mm. of the rich person." Why then, down at the bottom, you'd have all the peasants come in. Yeah, the plebs. At another entrance, and you say, "Come watch the great comedy." Mm, interesting. And he actually double billed some of his plays as comedy or tragedy. It just depends on whether or not you were the wealthy upper class or whether or not... What you market were, you were in. You were the... Because that's... Yeah, they're, they're two markets. Yeah. And so a lot and of... And one's, one's a uh, prime ticket. 
One's yep. a uh, ticket based on unit, uh, unit price, yeah. uh, you know, further units, yeah. And so you could make a comedy about bad things happening to poor people mm. and you could market it as a tragedy to the poor and a comedy to the rich. Yeah, interesting. It's very interesting. Right. And so that's, they, that's what we do now, if you think about it. Right. We've been, yeah, that, we've been doing that for a while. Ever since Shakespeare. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so he came up with the idea that it was pretty much how we market it to you. Mm. And where you stand compared to the protagonist. Yeah, in the, in the social pecking order of the narrative of what's been told. Yeah. Interesting. And so some That's people really cool. watch those films and see comedy. Some people watch them and see a tragedy. Mm. And so I really wanted to... I try to pucker down on that with my films mm-hmm. and go, who's watching my movie? Mm. And who they care about. Yeah. Right, because I and that's who and, that, and that's who you decide who gets uh, on the chopping block, and that's who you make the tragedy that yeah. you more relate to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Now I get yeah, now, yeah. The pennies drop with me now. I get you. All right, so you know ya. there'll be some guy listening to you know Metallica one night, listening to beers and, and drinking beers and watching Netflix, and you'll be sitting there going, Sounds "Oh like shit, he's gonna die," and it's all because of me. Ben's going to kill that guy because of me. <laughs> teach me a lesson. And I'm like, yep, that's right. Um, why the virgin's going to survive? Um, die straight away in the first five minutes. Yeah. Well, I've got, I've got a, um, a horror film idea for you. All right. All right. They're talking about politicians. <laughs> You've got a politician revenge fantasy film idea for you. Okay. okay so the apocalypse has happened. So, you, you know, set the narrative uh, through walking through a compound. Yeah. And through the aesthetics, you realize it's a post you know, you have a weather event that happens in the starting of the... Of the film, where yeah. you get established with it's post-apocalyptic and the weather isn't normal. Okay. Right? Something's happened. And uh, people come up to the gate and there's a guy that watches the gate. And someone always comes up. And then they bring the person in and there's a throne of the guy that runs the shit in that compound. And they get put in a hole and then they get interviewed. Mm-hmm. What did you do before the apocalypse? And they have to go, what your job was. So... And they frame it in a way that they go, well, you're going to be a part of our community because that's the barren land out there. We have, uh, you know, grain stocks in here, sustainability. What do you do? You know, what do you do in the world? What do you do in the world before the world is now the world now? Mm. How can we put you to use? Mm. What are you good for? Mm. Right, and you start a sinister uh, monologue with the guy that's in the throne. And then um, the guy that's in the, in the pit, he already recognises him. As a politician that were, you know, voted against, you know, fixing the climate before the climate got to that stage. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, you lead him down a trail and then you go, already know, and they lie. Because they know that they're at certain death if they tell the truth that they were who they were. Yeah. And then they illuminate the truth. And then they do a, a uh, you know, you know take, a t- take a crucifixion yep. and amplify that. You know, and make it a public spectacle. That's the film. <laughs> Sinister ideas, I know. Yep. Now, if the politician gets away with it, mm. is that what you want? Well, uh, the other... You want d- them to survive? Well, the survival would be interesting because then you go, well, if they had something to offer and during the process, they go, I've got this thing. And then they say, stop, stop what we're doing. Where's this thing? Tell us where it is and take us to it. You know, they're half burnt, you know, two steps shy of a crucifixion. Got to lead them to this place. And they go, oh, deal's a deal. (laughs) Live and let live. 
got some traction there. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. my crazy idea. I had that crazy idea. I was watching um, a news bulletin. That's what came to me. I'm like, imagine if the world fell apart and then, because, you know, when you watch politicians lie and the, because mm. that's the idea I got was the interview. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, instead of doing a news interview, mm. it's an interview to get into the compound. Yeah. And you have to tell the truth and the truth will be exposed. You can't use politics speak. You have to be real. Mm. And they, he forces him to be real and that's the idea. But how that ends, I have not decided. Yeah. Yeah. But you can do some sinister shit with that. That's right. Um, it's always interesting. And then you win over the people that are in the compound because now you're punishing the wicked. They're on board with it. They also get another message out of it. Mm-hmm. Don't, fuck with the, don't fuck with the bosses that run that shit because this is what will happen to you. Mm. Um, it's interesting when you talk about how you don't know how to end yet because um, that's, that's a popular writer problem. A lot of mm. lot of writers have the end is always difficult. A great start idea, but mm-hmm. they never know where it's going to end. Mm. Um, I always try to come up with an ending first. Wow, man! Most people. Okay, so I've done like um, I've interviewed plenty of writers, plenty of directors on this show. The thing that we mainly talk about is not having an ending. Yeah. Just write the story, and the end will appear. And what you're saying is. This is why I love talking to you, man. You, what you're saying is, fuck that shit. Yeah. Come up with the ending and then work your way back from that. Yeah. Work your way to that. Mad. Find your goal. That's fucking ballsy. And then... Super ballsy. Make... No one does that, correct man. correct steps <laughs> I talk towards to that goal. <laughs> <laughs> That's mad, man. That's literally... Because like, I talk, you know, different writers, you know, for instance, um, you've got the blink... I call them the blinking curses. No plan. Sit at a keyboard, type, write the story. I find them very far few between. They do exist. Most writers are in, you know, what, you know I'm similar to them in that, that I will you know, get palm cards, draw up a plan, come up with a character list, location list that's within reach that, of my budget, yeah. write a story that's within that framework, and then apply the dialogue. Mm. There's a, you know, it's systematic. Mm. I have a systematic approach to it. Most writers I know do that, mm. but no writer know comes up with the fucking ending first. It's the hardest thing to do. Of course, it's the, the end, hardest. The thing end to changes do. all the time. Every time I've written a story, the cha- the end is the most frequently changing thing. Does the bad guy win? Does the protagonist fucking win? Does the antagonist take over? Do they both fucking die? Is it unresolved? Even un- you know, you can even unresolve an ending. And go, there is actually no ending. There's no ending to it. There's two possibilities. I'm not going to tell you what they are. Plenty I, of films like that out there. I feel you know? the more solid you know where you're going, the better you can make the journey. Right? Because like if that. you're sitting there and you're going, I don't know if the protagonist dies or wins, mm. then what is your story about? In the in your middle act, you're sitting there trying to sure. justify I'll both if he loses and both if he wins. Whilst at least if you sit there and go, okay, we both know he's dead at the end of this movie. Yeah, yeah. So, do are we doing a bit of a red herring here and make people like ease into the fake idea that he might win? Yeah, just to turn a bit of around hope. and go, hey, boom! Provide a bit lying. of hope. Here's a truck. <laughs> um, I love those ones. I love those ones when they walk on the street. Pet cemetery. Oh, look! I, I bother my wife with it all the time. When you when you see it when you see the layup because it's a layup, right? Because it usually ends on a high note. 
where they're going, everything's worked out just fine. Everything's going to be okay. And then the bus hits. Them. And they walk across the road and you're like, they didn't look. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> I always say to my wife, they're about to be hit by a bus. And she goes, no, they won't. Like, there it is. She goes, how do you do that? And I'm like, just, you could see the layup. Yeah. I do that a lot in films to people hate that about me and stuff where I'm like, are you going to die now? Well, yeah. yeah, well, you, you can't live after that. Yeah, another another cool dude that uh, does that. Um, he's made a couple of features. Um, I've got to get him back on at some point. Um, uh, Tom Danger, he's made a couple of uh, horror features out there. He's very crafty at that the uh, the layup, but he's really good at the deception. Yeah, he'll uh, lay you up, don't conclude it, mm-hmm. and then push it aside, and then carry on with another narrative, mm-hmm. and then do a callback, then then uh, drop the axe. I I like to find the story. Because I feel like the whole point of a movie... So, I'm a person who... I don't shy from spoilers. Mm. And I don't think spoilers are a bad thing. Yeah, the expectation. Where are we going? Well, I think I should be able to tell you the ending and the whole point of my movie right now. Mm. And you knowing how the movie's going to end mm-hmm. and what happens in the movie shouldn't stop you from wanting to watch it. That's true, yeah. Well, good movies do that. They, they do the ending at the start and then, then, you, then they go through the journey how they got to the end. You it, know? it can be. Yeah, yeah. Fight Club's a good example. Most Starts super- at the end, gets to the end. Most superhero movies, yeah. they don't need to start at the end. Modern Westerns, that's you, what I call you them. You can just guess. Modern Westerns. Yeah, you can just go, okay. Like every Adam Sandler romantic comedy, you mm. go, I bet you he's going to end up with Drew Barrymore at the end of this movie. Whether he remembers or not. Yeah. <laughs> or she remembers or not. Yeah. <laughs> and so you go, okay, well, the like most people are like, I don't want to watch a superhero movie because they're going to kill the bad guy in the end mm. and win. And you're like, well... You already know that. Right? You already know that. Yeah. You're there the, for the action. The point is the journey. Yeah, you're there for the action and what's going to happen and how yeah. they get there. The, yeah, the struggle. For There's always the, the struggle, though. But every story has that, right? There's always the formidable obstacle mm. and the reason to climb it. Right. You know, whether it's, um, you know, Braveheart. Yep. You know, you got the English that are the oppressors. Yep. They've got this big wall to climb because they're small and they're big. Yeah. And they come up with the different strategies to, you know, sidewind them and, you know, uh, use education and knowledge, even though they mixed up the wrong weapons in the wrong era. Yeah. There you go, Chuck. We, we can get over that. <laughs> um, but the, the idea is that the uh, the intent is to fuck over the English yeah. and the obstacle is the English themselves. Yeah. Right? There's always that intent and obstacle. Yep. Um, through any film, uh, I think one of my favourites is, uh, for that example, is Eurotrip. Comedy, right? Yeah. Uh, sends a sex tape to his uh, girlfriend by accident, has to drive across the United States to do it. Yep. So the United States is the barrier, that's the obstacle, and yep. they have no money to do it. Yep. And the intent is to stop that tape before the mailman delivers it. Yep. They all, if you have that, see, that's what I, I don't have the ending, but I, ha, I always have that. I always know what the formidable, the obst- yeah, I know what the setup is yeah. and you can, that, that's why, that, I, that's the way, what I mean, I, your plan is you go to the end and my plan is I go to the subtext and what's the subtext, what's the obstacle, what's the, what, what's the journey yeah. and then I articulate the journey and then go, does he win or does he lose or is it undecided? You're, you'd make a good showrunner. Yeah. So what they that's want. True. What that's true. That's what want, I do. That's what I do. That's what, how I make money. Yeah. yeah. What they want for TV shows is they want come up with something that can never end. Yeah. And you're like, all right. So Open it's about so. this 
modern family and they're <laughs> perfect. <laughs> right? And they can just go on forever. That's true. Yeah, no, but again, though, even those ones that go on forever, like Seinfeld, for instance, right? <laughs> Seinfeld's a comedy that uh, they would say that it's the show about nothing. Yeah. But it is about something. It's about the struggle of young professionals trying to find love. And as soon as Jerry Seinfeld finds love, that show is finished. Yeah. Uh, Frasier, you know, you've got Niles and you've got Frasier, right? And Niles is in love with Daphne. If, mm-hmm. if, if, when Daphne and Niles get together, the show is over. The intent is gone. The obstacle is gone. Mm. Disintegrate. So even these shows have that, 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 that wire of tension. They're usually anecdotes are hung off it. What I find interesting, what you're saying is, yeah. the anecdotes will come anyway. Yeah. So why not have the anchor point of the end? Because it can start anyway. You can yeah. start it any way you want. Yep. And for me, I'll go, this is the start. <laughs> I do it literally the opposite way. Because um, I think you can come up with more interesting starts and middles mm. when you... Know the end. Know the end. Interesting. I'm going to give this a go. Yeah. And you always got the goal. Yeah. It's fucking ballsy, though. Oh, yeah. It's fucking ballsy doing the ending first because they change. It changed because when you write it, because then... Not when I write it. <laughs> <laughs> no, when I... Because when I, I always have an intention for the end. Don't get me wrong. Like, I've yeah. got an idea what the end may be. Mm. But as I go and traverse through the story, the um, attributes change and, you know, characters develop. And you go, well, now the, you know, sus- you know the suspension of disbelief, the suspension of disbelief or the, you know, just the, um, just the physics of the film. You know what I mean by the physics? Like the... You know, walking through a doorway to this point to that point. Yeah. Even those things can affect, you know, spatial reality in a film. And then you've got narrative reality. And that narrative reality can be affected. And then you go, I have to change the end. Otherwise, it doesn't work with the reality. So, I really like that too. I really... So, an old saying I used to have even from back when film school was... Is that um, the film is made in the editing room. That's true. I'm someone who likes to experiment with my shots a little bit, Mm -hmm. likes to not have a locked-in, clear George Lucas, this cannot change, this shot is gospel kind of storyboards. Yeah, yeah. um, Where I'm kind of like, let's try it completely different. You stand on the other side of the room and they're like, but that's different to how we've done every other shot. And you're like, it's all right. We're going to try something different. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm. And so, yeah, sometimes I'd like, when someone else would go, oh, could we try it this way? Well, yeah, why not? He could be a better director than me. We'll try it. Um, And you end up then looking through and you actually pick out shots. And a lot of the times there's things you plan that are terrible. And the gold is the stuff you never plan. Yeah, it always is, though. The opportunistic stuff. All right. Yeah, I find that too. That if you sit there and you look at all the great cinema shots in film history that were actually improvised, Mm. and then you look at someone like George Lucas who works very specific to a shot, and you go, whoa, think of all the weird improvised lines or improvised little moments that could have been in Star Wars. Yeah, true. If George Lucas was willing to be a bit more fluid. Well, they have different types of... And when Harrison Ford was like, how about I say this? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, actually, that's really good. How about Guido shoots first? (laughs) (laughs) But 
Instead of hand shooting first. So much of it was put so in the comments if you disagree. Put into a plan. <laughs> um Yeah, I think if you got the ending, you've got a goal, everything else can be intangible. What about you? Are you but back to the blinking cursor, are you a blinking cursor guy or do you do the ending and then do the map and then write it? Yeah, so I, I kinda do the map. Yeah, okay. Because at the same time, imagine you're doing like the um, special effects, like um, orientation. Like, okay, so I'm going to use that in this part of the plan. You'd have to formula. It'd have to be formulaic in nature to to build it, right? Some people that have been in my brain cooking room mm. would actually hate the idea of what I think of stories. I think it's completely formulaic. Yeah. Right, and people are like, no, it's not, and I'm like, yeah. But I, I feel like I'm a like mad scientist mm. with my formulas. Yeah, but I mean in the in the practicality of it, right? Yeah. The narrative has has room to move. Yeah. But you have to build the fucking thing. Yeah. You know? Like, I I start off with like the hero's journey, mm-hmm. um, the save the cat structure, all those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, they're very very good for people to work with you. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, you can set yourself an ending, and you go and go. Okay, well. From this ending, I have potentially 90 minutes here. So then the 45-minute mark, this should be the midpoint in the film. Mm-hmm. A midpoint in the film should be making people do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you work your way back. Yeah. And then you work your way back forward. Yeah, see, I do it the other way around. That's yeah. why it's really... You're spinning me up, man, because like, it makes sense what you say. Oh, no. Oh, we died. Can you switch to me for a second and go and change that battery for me, Mr. Wade? Yeah, um, yeah, just keep it rolling, bro. Keep it rolling. Keep it, Josh, rolling. Uh, I've got one right there. There you go, man. And the other one's running out as well. Oh, shit. Batteries are running out faster and faster these days. I'm going to have to buy new ones. Um, yeah, you know, the approach of narrative, man. Um, yeah, starting at, I start at the start. So the, what you're, the thing that spins me out is the blinking cursor, and what you've done is contrast me in the way that I think about the plan mm. and in the spectrum of doing the plan. I'm the blinking cursor because... I don't have the end, nor the start. I just have the subtext, and I, you know, you know, flourish it out from there. I'm scaring the horror movie guy away. <laughs> and we are rolling. We're rolling, baby. We're rolling. We're Josh Brolin. Uh, it's all, you know, it's all John Goodman. Uh, we'll soon Christian Bale. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's an old joke. I keep saying it. I've got to stop saying it. I uh, mean, um, uh, but I, I forgot where we were before our break. Um, but uh, I'm sure it was uh, illustrious and fantastic. Do you remember? Yeah, we were talking about endings. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Ending the and, movie. And you're going to try a, a new writing exercise for Totally. You're going to give this a go. You're going to write a, a story and you're going to start with the end. Yeah. I'm going to give it a go. Because it's interesting because the way I, th- I think about that is because I come up with good endings all the time to stories that don't exist yet, yeah. if that makes sense. But then I go away from that and then I go to a subtext idea of this obstacle tension idea. Like, you know, for instance, you know, the example I gave before about the politician, there's that mm. tension, that subtext, that subtext is, you know, do the right thing now, otherwise you might pay for it later. And and then there's further subtext about that, about, you know, um, public torture and, you know, what that means for a poor community stuck in the, the mm-hmm. barren lands and the thing that they, that, that oppression that they have to put up with, right? Yeah. All because people in charge are very um, severe in, yep. their, in, their, in their dealings. Um, yeah, uh, there's all that subtext to it, but there's no ending. Right. Now, 
what you got to do is go what ending will give my audience that subtext i love that because it's the market it's interesting way to think about it because we build these things right because you think about the work that we put in to make short films feature films um, promotional videos it doesn't matter anything that involves a camera and editing a lot of work yes generally it is and uh you think about all the work that goes into it um i've had some films that i've had come through made in the west you go oh man if you just changed the narrative of this film it would have been boss like it's perfectly shot the soundscape is beautiful and sounds usually the first thing that dies yeah in a film like it's the last consideration yeah it's just as important as the cinematography really yeah um but they had all those things together but the ending was poor and the narrative was wrong yeah because it's not rewatchable not entertaining yeah. You know, good entertain people. Yeah. Um, th- there's a weird struggle between rewatchability mm-hmm. and... You're going to blow my mind again, aren't you? And <laughs> scarring your audience so much that they only ever need to watch your story once. Yeah, I, I find those ones to be fetishized. Uh, fetishized. Is that a word? Fetishes. Yeah, fetishized. Fetishized. Yeah. It's a weird word. Say that yeah. three times. Fetishized. Like, fetishized. I, I really like my glass. Yeah, yeah. There's like a lot. Um, but there's, feti- there's fetish, but then there's narrative, right? And then there's sometimes they can be blurred. Like cause when you look at horror, sometimes you can look at them as they, they get, refer to them in these sort of terms like revenge fantasies or, you know, um, you know, um, uh, you know, gore fests. Yeah. You know, this sort of this ter- sort of terminology. Yeah. Those kinds of films are much more of a fetish kind of thing. Mm. Um, they're not the ones that I'm talking about you watch once. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, like, the way I've tried to make most of my horror films, mm-hmm. I have not made them rewatchable. Wow. That's heavy, bro. Right. I try to make my films not rewatchable. Because I do. I have therapy films, mm. right? And therapy TV shows that I can just put on and just watch over and over and over. Yeah, I'll go, go back to my childhood. Like, I can watch Indiana Jones a thousand yeah. times. Yeah. Back um, to the Future is another fetish. Yeah. <laughs> but with horror films especially, I think it's so much more interesting when you can kind of... Like, a really good film, is, an example, is Martyrs. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen that one? I haven't seen that one. No. Go watch Martyrs. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe bring a friend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, one, that, one that I couldn't rewatch was um, no, Tarantino was a guest uh, director. They were uh, oh, they were being tortured for money. Um, it was in the Eastern European like Hostel. Hostel, that's the one. Hostel's hard to watch. That's a hard oh. one. Hostel is a little bit hard to watch. Um, Hostel Two is cool, um, and that one's a bit more lax. The first one's pretty hardcore. I uh, I think Hostel Two has more violence in it. It's just Hostel Two has two sets of characters. So mm. you have people that are both the killers and people that are both the yeah. It has a champ. It has a champion in it though. So it's a champion in just, it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Eli Roth made Hostel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so yeah. he's kind of like the little bit of like an apprentice to Tarantino in a way. Mm-hmm. Like Eli Roth was playing, I forget his name, in um, the, there's Glorious Bastards. Yeah, there, there's Eli a lot of Roth crossovers. Is the crazy killer Jew guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Stiglitz. Yeah, I forget his name. Hugo Stiglitz. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, yeah, they're 
really good buddies. Um, mm. But yeah, so Hostel, um, yeah, that was Emma Hugh Roth film. Um, I, it was interesting. Um, I didn't find it as hard to watch as his first one. Mm. Captain Fever, I thought was... I haven't seen Captain Fever. Yeah, so his first movie, Captain Fever, until Tarantino Mm. with Kill Bill. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's where I've seen the name before. Yeah, yeah. Ellie Roth had set, reset a blood record. Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's the black and white scene you're talking about, yeah? No, no, no. In Cabin Fever... Okay. There's just so much blood in that movie. Oh, up until Kill Bill. No, no, no. Cabin Fever. Is more yep. than Kill Bill. Was more than every other movie up until that point. Mm. So when Tarantino was like, oh, and I'm going to do this, and it will have the most blood, mm. because we will have this many gallons. And mm. they're like, not enough. And he's like, sorry? And they're like, I ran a video store and I know all movies and like have you seen Cabin Fever that came out two years ago and he's like no and like you've got to watch this film okay I'm going to check this out so yeah Cabin Fever I'm going to write a movie and check this movie out about a weird kind of skin condition yeah okay um, but yeah there's a oh, lot eerie. of blood in it yeah, okay okay and it's a film that you're like at the end of it you're like hmm, I've watched that mm. and you're like do you want to watch it again you're like Nah. <laughs> um, Martyrs is a bit like that. Okay. Martyrs is a film I won't turn away from showing someone. Okay. Where I'm like, you haven't seen it yet? Yeah. I'll put it on and we can watch it together mm-hmm. and I'll hold your hand the whole time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, are you going to get some sort of sick pleasure out of showing someone this horrible tragedy? Well, there is there is, there, there is that element. Like I, in um, uh, previous bands that I've been in, we had a band chat and yeah. we would always try to outshock each other yeah. uh, with content in that space. It was horrific. Yeah. Absolutely it's, horrific. It's like, I survived this trauma. Mm. want to survive it with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw this and I can't unsee it and I want you to unsee it. That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> or so, try. I think they're some of the best horror films mm-hmm. because they last with you, right? They stick with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, I can't remember who it was. It may have even been James Cameron. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone was saying one of the best ways to kind of tell a story is to not tell the story. The story you want to tell is not watching the movie. Mm-hmm. The story you want to tell is in the minds of the audience when they walk out of the theatre. Mm. Right? Yeah, the shock and awe. Well, you want people to be walking out of that cinema going, you know, I'm a bit worried about my computer. I'm going to go home and turn it off. And like, yes, yeah. actually, I was a bit worried about my computer. Oh, so what you want I'm going to go turn it off. And they're like, yeah, let's quickly run home and turn off our computer. You want to incite fear. Well, he wants to start a dialogue. Mm. You want people to think about your films. The mm. film, a f- good film... That's true, yeah. You always talk film, about it afterwards, a good film. A good film doesn't end the moment you stop watching the yeah, film. Yeah, and it's, it's a bit beyond the pop culture films because the pop culture films we we, we quote, yeah. right? We quote, we quote quotable films and they're good films. But the ones that really stick out are those fringe films, that's for sure. And the ones that stick with you. Stuff like Old Boy or, you know, uh, Battle Royale. Still talking about now, yeah, years yeah. later after you've watched them. Mm. Or pe- when people walk out of a film. So I remember when me and my friends mm. walked out of The Matrix. 
right? And one of my friends is walking around touching things. Making sure that it's... Well, when you see a cat, is it a deja vu? Making sure things were real again. And I'm like, <laughs> I know exactly what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Bending light posts. But that was exactly what the Wachowskis wanted. People mm. wanted to walk... People They wanted people to walk out of the cinema and go... Oh, it was a great promo. Are we in a computer? The only way to understand the Matrix is to see the Matrix, right? That's the that's the that's the shtick. That's how and they did it. How good a logline was that? Yeah. And it's it's a pretty good, like, it's a true logline. Mm. Like it's something you can't spoil too much. Mm. Like when someone's like, "Oh, what's the Matrix about?" and you're like, "Ah, oh, they're just all in a computer." Yeah, they're in a computer. Spoiler: If you haven't seen the Matrix yet, <laughs> it is 2022. Oh, look! If you haven't seen the Matrix, put it in the comments. I'd be interested to hear the, the, uh, about the person who hasn't seen the Matrix. Mm. Um, and does it work with my point? Where I think that even if you have the ending spoiled, mm. you can still enjoy the ride. That's true. Yeah, yeah. You can be like you can be told from that trailer. Oh, they're all in a computer game, and you like watching that trailer going, uh, how? And then you'd watch that whole movie going, so how were they all in a computer? Yeah. I had a mate say to me when um, uh, the second Matrix came out, he's like, you know, we, they, they, in the promo, you, you saw that Smith was duplicated, right? He, he was copied. And they're like, just like a computer game. I don't want to see it. I'm like, listen to what you're saying. Yeah. It is a computer game. Yeah. <laughs> the whole premise is that it's a computer game. Yeah. Go and see it. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But back to Tarantino, though. I, I found uh, Tarantino is a f- fascinating person to me because he's done these like narrative disruptive films. You know, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You know, you know, straight up is a a narrative disruptive film. Like most baby boomers, when they watched it, were like, "What the fuck is this?" Yep. Like, there's no um, part. And there's no Act One, no Act Two, and no Act Three. It's yes, all. Well, there, are, yeah, yeah. It's just arranged in the right order. It's just arranged differently, right? And that arrangement, fuck with people. Yeah. But people of our generation, were like, this is cutting edge. Yeah. This is the shit. This is where movies are going, right? And then you look at the scenes that Tarantino did, and you realise, um, you know, especially a dude that's researched a lot of Australian film. Most of it, it like, I totally recommend. Um, not quite Hollywood, by the way. If you haven't seen that documentary, it's a great doco. Uh, man, but it's uh, it it points to something very very interesting. It's about Australian storytelling. A lot of Australian storytelling, uh, uh you know, uh, was in the exploitation yep. era, right? That's correct. And uh, Oz, and the reason that happened was because Goth Whitland government said, for every film made, is a hundred and fifty percent tax write off, right? So if you put ten grand on a film. You got fifteen grand back on your tax, pretty much, right? Yeah. And there was concessions to it, and there was rules to it, but that's the nuts and bolts of it, right? Just it, basic form of it. And it only ended in two thousand and nine, by the way. Oh, really? Did it go that long? I didn't know that. Fuck! I got in the industry way bring too back late. The ten ba. Yeah, yeah. Bring it back. You get you get some mad movies if you did that in Australia. I'm that, serious. Bring back the ten. Oh, dude! If they did that, the industry would explode. Right. From what I understand. Like, um, I've got my little humble podcast. This is episode 120. Like, how many artists do I talk to? How many people do I know that are making movies in Western Sydney? And it's just our region, right? And this content that's out there is fucking insane. It's fucking mad. Uh, But no, Tarantino though, man, I would describe him as a lifter. He lifted a lot of stuff out of Australian content. Yeah. Out of that exploitation period. Tying a chick to the bonnet of of a car was first done in Australian film. Yeah. Um, uh, the, uh, when he wrote, um, 
uh, natural born killers. Yeah. Uh, the scene where the father's killed in the fish tank. Oh yeah. That's yeah. A, that's a scene lifted out of exploitation films. Yeah. And these and the and the relationship of that was exploitation films were drive in cinema you know drive in cinema films. Yeah. And they were only really shown in America, Canada, and Australia. Like yeah. they they had a drive in culture. You know, show up in a you know a Ute in America would be a truck. Right, you know, whatever, and you you reverse up and you yeah. and you watch this movie and you plug it into your radio in your car. Yeah, right. And you have a hot dog, you have a beer. That's that's the culture. Yeah, and um, he was plugging into that, working at a video store, watching exploitation, watching these um, mad films that were coming out. You know, Road Warrior slash Mad Max. Yeah, uh, Running on Empty. By the way, if you haven't checked out Running on Empty, uh, the festival is coming up uh, on the twenty first of September. Go and check it out. Um, shameless plug, I know. Big shout out to John De Bruin. We love you. Um, but uh, these films were, these ideas were lifted and Americanized, right? Yeah. And I know there's a background of my mind. There's a part of me that goes, I am, I, what I see in front of me, like horror filmmakers, drama filmmakers, um, content that's of um, inclusive natures, you know, where yeah. they do a full cross-section of uh, an honest cross-section of western sydney mm. you know uh, you don't need to try to put color on the screen it's just a part of western sydney man like that's right you know uh, you don't need to try it's there um uh, there's all of these guys that are uh, guys and girls that are pushing these films man yeah and if we had a moment where we could solidify our industry because we're we're really close to it. There's a film wave that's happening in Australia at the moment, right? And it's all at our, what we're doing. It's all that grassroots, man. Yeah. It's kind of taking off like metal used to back in like the nineties, man. Yeah. It's kind of like I really see the similarity in it. Um, yes, there's driving forces in it. Yep. Totally. Well, we we are proponents to do that. Yep. But the force is already out there doing it. It's already happening. And uh, if we can have a moment where we can solidify that and take our Osploitation moment back and then take American content and Australianize it, that would be cool. Yes. You know, where we take our content back, you know, we go and kill Bill, you know. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, I, it's very interesting that you say lifted mm. ideas. I, I was very like, generous. I was generous with that. I was very generous with that. Yeah. yeah. He apologized. Um. So, you've got to be a little bit generous. Um, but yeah, that's a great doco. Mm. Not quite Hollywood. Totally. Um, you, I almost feel like you shouldn't be making film in Australia if you haven't gone and learned that for a history lesson. Absolutely, you it is. I mean? It is foundationary. Yeah, and yeah. So we, those characters really built what we've got now. And what yeah. I'm saying is, we're characters now, and we should be carrying that torch. That's what I'm all about. Because yeah. I know we can do it. Yeah. I really know that we can. Like, there's projects that are happening around um, our state. Yeah. There's projects that are happening around our city yeah. that are very close yeah. to really coming together. We can open a few studios, start a few production companies. They're all popping up. Yep. Uh, That's why I ask you about um, visual effects and practical effects, right? Yeah. The most frequent question, <clears throat> excuse me, the most frequent question I get asked is um, for uh, video effects operators. Yeah. Or there's people always looking for VFX. Can't find anyone. Yeah. They're so rare. It's like trying to find a drummer for a rock metal band. It's really difficult to do. Yeah. But they're also... A lot of it's... You've got to be very specific of what you want. Okay. Alright. So when mm. you're like, oh, I want a VFX artist. And you're like, what do you want to do? What do you actually want? Yeah, you're saying it needs to be more specific than that. Yeah. Like, because... That can be a hundred different jobs. 
Mm-hmm. And in the end, the VFX artist should be you as the director. Like, so a lot of the times I find when people are asking for those things, they're actually like, can you come up with the visual effects for me? Mm. And you're like, like direct the scene. And they're like, oh, well, you like come up with all the ideas for you. Yeah. So I'll be the director in this moment. Cool. Yeah. Okay. We'll share, yeah, we'll share credit. Yeah. But like, you no, gotta, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. You've got to give them points to work with though. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of the times they don't really know what they want for the visual effects and stuff like that and that's mm. why I sit down and talk about like actual compositors and things like that okay. you've got to actually break them down into actual sub jobs sometimes because yeah great I need to talk to you more like I'll um uh, after the show man and we'll talk more about um because I, I've got like four or five clients at the moment that are always asking for VFX yeah. and what you've just articulated to me makes a lot of sense because I'm looking at it as a broad brush stroke you know, promotions guy that does film. Mm. And uh, what I'm missing is, is that I'm this umbrella term, mm. you know, of VFX. And what you're saying is, no, 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 it's more nuanced than that, man. Yeah. What's the specific job? And then I can find someone that does that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like the old school days of hiring a videographer. Mm. And you're like, you're a videographer, right? And you're like, right. So you want me to shoot it, edit it, sound record it. Well, no, we we got a different name now. We're called creative producers now. Yeah. That's yeah. what we are now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what a lot of people want, is they want a jack-of-all-trades master of none. Yeah, because they want to shorten their budget to do it. Yeah, that's that's what it's about, though. They want to they want a running gun. And that's what I get hired most to do, yeah. is I'm always a running gun. Yeah. They just need someone... We don't understand this problem, yeah. but we know that uh, it, we need to put something on social media. That's usually where a brief starts. <laughs> usually... We and, don't know what, but we know we need something. Well, that's why I learned I need a team because I'm the I, I, like I'm the, I'm doing the um you know the artistic spear of it if you like I'm spearheading the artistic side of it you know the you know the edit chain, hmm. um the um the filming chain, the if it needs sound design you know all the all of the disciplines that go into whatever the project is even streaming services right yeah. where you go we're going to stream this live stream this live content yeah a lot of stuff goes into a lot of technical work. A lot of understanding of how cameras work. You know, you need to be technically proficient, um, but that's really hard to translate if you're the the operator mm. sometimes because you you get stuck in your own technical head. And what I've learned is, for me, um, I need people that can translate what I'm doing yep. as practical to a client that goes, oh, so they just shoot this and then they edit that and then they do this. So that's where having a producer comes in really handy. A, yeah. pr- a good producer translates that technical jargon into layman's terms. Into layman's terms. Yeah, yeah. And that's... Client terms. The client terms, yeah, yeah, where they can understand it because me, me I'm a technical mind. I'll get bogged down in um, vernacular, right? I'll be talking about frame rates and, you know, colour temperatures and, you know, uh, you know, the client doesn't give a fuck about that. They just want... They just want... They know they need a social media thingy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and that's what, usually what they say the thingy the thingy yeah. we need this thingy and I'm like okay and then you've got to draw reference to it right what do you you know show me something that you want and then I can duplicate it I can rebuild it right yeah. lift it if you will <laughs> right yeah I, I got a lot of practice from that from like actually growing up with my dad mm. usually trying to tell me about scenes from films mm. he'd go you know that film with the guy in it and I'm like, yes, Anthony Hopkins, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I do that all the time. Great film, Dad. And he's like, yes, that's the How'd film. How'd you know it was the film? And so that's that was how I've learned to then like 
guess what my what they want. clients are. You know, the thing with that guy. And you're like, yes, this and this and this and this. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. And they're like, no. Oh, well, I had one with someone the other day. They're like, Armageddon. I'm like, no, you're talking about contact. Close, but the Armageddon was the action theatrical one. The contact contact was the you know realistic view on the, the comet apocalypse. You know, uh, Armageddon was the you know the theatrical one. Well, they're both theatrical, really. But you know what I mean. Deep impact. Yeah, yeah. it was a deep impact. What did yeah. I say? Contact. I fucked that up. I know. Yeah, that, that's all right for those people at home. I love Contact, big fan of it. Um, Carl Sagan, he was actually the uh, executive producer of that. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, but that was only because like he he like was an advisor on it and stuff. That's right, yeah. He was the... He liked the book. No, I'm pretty sure he, he, he dropped money on it. Yeah, 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 but like because he liked the book. Because like, the book was around for years. Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. But he, he, was, he was the guy that um, uh, pushed the funding for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was the first investor, yeah. I believe we had that book in my house my whole life oh wow you read contact no <laughs> i would have read it's it. still in the house <laughs> and you're like but i'm pretty sure that contact book was there and like my parents would probably be able to go oh yeah no we got that before ben was three yeah okay and so you're like oh so it's a pretty old book and you're yeah, like, yeah i never really looked into that part of it yeah 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 so it's a famous story yeah um but they were just like, how are we going to make this? I've always How dreamed of doing the remake of that film. I'd love to redo that movie. I'd love to direct that. That'd be mad. That'd be mad. Um, but anyway, that's my sci-fi nerdiness coming out. Hey, man, um, you've got some films out there online, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, where can we find those films? Um, the best place to go is to go to Troma Now. What's it called again? Troma Now. Troma Now. Yeah, so that's a streaming platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where a lot of my films are going. Yeah. Um, How do you spell that? Can you type that in for us, Mister Wade? Troma. Yeah. T R O M A. Yeah. Troma now. And Troma is the, I think, really the home of independent cinema. Not Trona. Uh, Troma. T R O M A. Yeah, the M. Creators of the Toxic Avenger, Sergeant Kabuki Man. I love the Toxic Avenger. Um, the where, Toxic Avenger was in RoboCop. That was the one that really spun me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is where South. Can you put Park, that to line, bro? South Park got there. Some he is of their stuff. Toxic Avenger. Yeah. Is that uh, Scarecrow? Or is that no? That can't be Scarecrow. No, I think that is from. Is that from Mother's Day? Father's Day. Okay. And I'll have someone in my ear in a minute. Um, <laughs> but I believe the people below the Toxic Avenger, mm-hmm. this is kind of a new piece of artwork. Yeah, yeah. So I believe the two girls below the Toxic Avenger are from James Gunn's first film, Tromeo and Juliet. Okay. And then right across from there is Sergeant Kabuki Man. Right okay. The end. He's the guy in the Kabuki makeup. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so James Gunn. Yep. He, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. He started out on this channel. Okay, so uh, Troma Now. Yeah, so Troma Now is the streaming network. You can um, break out of there, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Thanks, Wade. That's where you can find some of my books. All right, go check it out on Troma Now. Uh, check out um, Benjamin Morton. So if they type your name in there, they'll find it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Troma Now, Benjamin Morton, go and check it out. Um, prepare to be scared, man. I've watched uh, some of this content before. It's... Uh, Pretty awesome, but uh, yeah, be careful. It's yeah. not for the lighthearted. <laughs> Man, it's always a pleasure talking to you on this show. It really oh, is. Always a pleasure. 
man um yeah you always um open my mind in so many ways and i really appreciate you man we really do thanks all right all right that's the end of it let's yeah, do it be back soon <laughs> and you guys have been watching the pagey train you can check us out on spotify that's right video on spotify and if you're watching us on youtube don't forget to subscribe but for our avid listeners out there you can find us on iHeartRadio and apple itunes you guys have been watching the pagey train and we'll see you next time i was happy with that outro that was pretty good cool. yeah yeah I'll get one out of three. Lloyd owes me some more money. <laughs> uh. <laughs>